You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode number 197. I have an amazing guest to share with you today. Her name is Rachel Grant. She's the owner and founder of Rachel Grant Coaching and is a sexual abuse recovery coach and has a master's in counseling psychology. She's also the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage in recovery from sexual abuse. Based on her educational training, study of neuroscience, and lessons learned from her own journey, she has successfully used the Beyond Surviving program since 2007 to help survivors of childhood sexual abuse who are beyond sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, break free from the pain of abuse, and finally move on with their lives. Such important work. Thank you for being here with me. Well, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And yeah, let's let's get into it. I'm so excited to explore this topic with you today, Kristen, and um, to dive in. Yeah. And I so tell me, so we got a little sense of the work that you're doing right now. But and I don't know how much you want to dive into the whys behind your work. But tell me uh, what work you're doing right now, um, how you're serving people in this work and the impact that you're making in the world. Thanks. So, yeah, you know, the the day-to-day for me is with men and women all over the country, all over the world, um, walking them through the Beyond Surviving program as a sexual abuse recovery coach, which was in some ways something that I just made up. I mean, I did my master's in counseling psychology and Mm -hmm. I studied neuroscience and I got my background, you know, education as well, of course, my own hard knocks, just life learned lessons from my own journey of healing from sexual abuse. Um, But ultimately, I knew I wanted to go into coaching instead of therapy and just had to kind of carve a little bit of a a lane to do that, mostly because I I really, in my work with my clients, am focusing on a transition from a stage of healing where people are kind of, you know, talking about and reflecting on and, and having that space in order to kind of get a little bit of a sense of connection between why they're struggling and and what happened. Um, which is a great place for therapy, but uh, I wanted to really lean into more of the, what do we actually do about that? Mm-hmm. How do we heal that? What are the you know interventions and tools and strategies? And so that, you know, focus really is born out of my own frustration in healing. Um, I was sexually abused by my grandfather. Mm, starting so sorry. Around Thank you. Um, around the age of 10. And uh, it went on for some time until my mom eventually uh, recognized what was happening. And, um, and he was, you know, taken out of our home, which was, you know, awesome. My parents, you know, did a great job mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And but really, the impact of that trauma stayed with me for for a very, very long time. And like so many people who experience abuse, I just wanted to pretend 
that everything was okay, that I was okay, like nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I just went into that place of denial for a very, very long time. And, you know, eventually I reached a place in my life where I couldn't um, do that anymore. I was trying to have a relationship and it was pretty clear that I was a mess and didn't understand boundaries or how to trust or was really emotionally immature. Uh, so I started therapy and it was helpful to a, to a point. But when I started to get to a place of wanting to understand how to really shift, I was um, pretty disappointed with the resources that were there and kind of the lack of attention to even belief that I could heal. A lot of what I was getting back was things like, oh, this is just kind of normal. It's how it's going to be. So, you know, you'll be dealing with that for a long time. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Who wants like, to hear that? Like, wow, you're fired. (laughs) 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 That cannot be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what really that along with, you know, a couple of life moments, you know, that I transitions that I was going through in 2006 and then going through a divorce, leaving an abusive relationship and and really facing myself. I just had this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, my gosh, if I do not do something like right now. I am going to spend the rest of my life just surviving, you know, just kind of white knuckling it through, but not Mm. really living. Uh, And so that's what really set me on the path to do the work that I I do today. So can you, I'm sure listeners, most, most of us have a sense of what's involved in counseling. And then I definitely know, you know, like what leadership coaching looks like, things like that. But Can you just go into a little bit more depth about kind of where those gaps were and how you fill those gaps with the work that you're doing now? Right. Well, my choice to become a coach instead of a therapist boils down to a few things. The first is I wasn't really interested in looking at people through the lens of diagnosing. I mean, therapy uh, relies on that, uh, quite honestly, mostly because of insurance Mm -hmm. requiring it. Um, I think a lot of therapists would be just as happy not to do all of that diagnosing, but you know, the way that that system is set up for um, insurance reimbursement, you have to give a diagnosis. And I wasn't really keen on that. I didn't really see what I was feeling, what I was experiencing as a diagnosis, certainly also because of misdiagnosis that had happened to me so many times in my life because of a lack of even trained professionals being really trauma informed. Mm-hmm. So um, that that was not of interest to me. It was also important to me to be able to work in a little bit more of a structured way. In therapy, people, you know, they land on the couch and it's kind of like, what's on your mind? What's present today? What's up? What are we working with? And the therapist is really holding space for that. And of course, offering reflection and whatabouts and every once in a while, you know, nudging here or there. But what I was really interested in, my background is in education. I was an elementary school teacher uh, for many years. And then um, I worked as a nanny. So in the social emotional development of children and, um, and my mind just kind of thinks in terms of learning and scaffolding and curriculum And I just had this feeling that I could draw upon that to create a more structured process. Um, And, and coaching really gives me that space to do that. We can, Mm -hmm. I can sit down, here's the curriculum, here's what we're doing this week, here's what we're looking at. 
And of course there's room and movement and things come in that aren't necessarily quote unquote on the schedule. Mm -hmm. But that structure has actually turned out to be, I think, one of the most amazing pieces of the work that I do with my clients because it takes all of this guesswork out. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what am I doing? Am I doing it right? Yeah. <laughs> am I hitting the timelines? Okay. Exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, then, and they don't have to worry about it. And, and it's all how soothing it is for them when I'm like, okay, I know that that's up for you. We're going to get to it. Like, I promise. But here's this piece. And and now that I've been doing this for 14 years, you know, and continuing to refine and um, the program, I really think that this structure helps to minimize re-traumatization and maximize healing. Mm. Like there's a little bit of like, hey, when we do this before this, we actually get better results. Um, and coaching just gives me that freedom to do that, as well as to bring in my own personal experience only where necessary and mm-hmm. um, only to be illustrative of, you know, an experience and a transformation. But I just found in the early days when I was kind of workshopping this with some brave souls that were willing to be my guinea pigs, mm-hmm. <laughs> that so much of the feedback that I got from those women was, God, just like hearing your real life, let me tell you how it is story mm-hmm. um, at that moment really made it so much easier to have compassion for myself and to even believe like, hey, things can change, things can evolve. So those are some of the, the main reasons and the things that I love about coaching that we get to work more as like mentorship and guidance um, and collaboration. But while being very active, here's what you're going to do you know, at end of every session, here's what you're going to practice. Here's what you're going to apply. Here's the new tool you're going to learn and, and try to take on and integrate into your life. Great. Wow. It sounds like you've really kind of stepped back and created what the appropriate process should be, but have the flexibility. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you've come up with a very powerful process. So that's great to hear. Um, so as you think back, I'm sure you have so many examples of this, but one, what's one, uh, client that you think back to, and of course not the particulars, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, where you really made an impact with them, you know, that you kind of can think back on to really fuel your own passion. You're right. There are so many. Mm There are a lot to draw upon. I mean, the one person who just immediately comes to mind is, is one of my male clients, actually. When we um, first started our work together, you know, I'm always taking people through, like, here's what we're going to work on. Here are the, you know, pieces of the program. And when I started to talk about all the relationship skills that we were going to work on, like trust and intimacy and sexuality, and he says, well, just, you know, I, I think we'll probably be able to skip that module. <laughs> 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 you're like, like oh really? really tell me more about that <laughs> yeah no I just God, I've been divorced and I'm just over it I just don't think it's in the cards for me I think I'm just destined to be single mm. that's okay I get that well let's just cross that bridge when we get there because the relationship stuff is not until like month six or so so we've got time Um, and by the time we got to that place in the program, he'd done so much other healing work that he was open. And so we started to work through the relationship modules and the wounding that was there for him around love and connection. And he's now married and has a little boy. And they're so cute. And I mean, (laughs) 
to go from I'm destined to be single to I'm married and I have a child. And for me, Kirsten, like this is everything. Trauma is so insidious in that it just ekes into every corner of our lives and it wants to steal our vitality and Mm. our passion and our purpose and our dreams and even just our sense of self and who we are. And when people um, get locked and stuck in that survivor stage and are told this is a life sentence and it's just how it's going to be, then there isn't really anything we can do but to surrender in those moments. And so pushing back against that so people can reclaim their lives. Um, You know, we're not meant to suffer for the rest of our lives because of the choices that others have made. We're meant to live our lives and to do the things and have the things that we dream of and that we really want. Hmm. Well, I love that. And yes, I'm sure you have so many other stories similar. So thank you for sharing that one. And that is really inspiring. And I'm sure that it um, can increase hope in people who are listening too. Uh, So for you, you know, all of us, when we're on our path to making our impact run into challenges and what is the biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it? Mm. One of the things that comes to mind, uh, there are multiple things, but at the top of that list has a lot to do with growing up in Oklahoma and, you know, middle-class kid. I was the first in my family to go to college and, um, As I, in the early days, when I really made up my mind, I was going to become a business owner. I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was going to carve my own path. In some ways, I felt ready for that because I felt like I had done that in some other ways. But there was also this underlying tug every once in a while, this feeling of separation from my family. A lot of fears and false beliefs that this was going to marginalize me in relationship to, um, it was my mom at the time, my father had already passed, uh, my sister, my brother, and that I couldn't, uh, there's a saying, right, too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't get too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so up for me. It was so up for me, Kirsten. And it was all in this realm of, like um, there, that was up against these internal kind of value systems of like, is it OK to make money doing this kind of work? Like, mm. is there something like wrong about that? Is there something? Yeah, not high value about that. Um, maybe I should figure out a way to do this as a nonprofit and and uh, these sorts of things. And so I, I had a lot of. I had a lot of talks with myself and really navigating those fears and coming to the place of, um, you know, understanding that I have to go for what I believe in. Right. I can't hold myself, keep myself small right? um, just because some people might not understand or be okay. But ultimately my mom was amazing. She was so supportive. Um, and, um, you know, sister and brother are, are more complicated, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but not in really negative ways, just more in very passive kind of quiet, disappearing ways, if you will. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, that, and, and, you know, it is true. I often like, there's been no shortage of people who are like, who do you think you are? 
you don't have a license, blah, 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 or this is wrong. All of your programs should be free. You know, there, there's certainly been that pushback, but I've, I found my way to be able to answer those objections with myself, of course, first. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as they come from others from time to time. Well, and the reality is you're doing important work. And if you don't get some form of income so that you have a roof over your head and food, you don't get to continue to do the important work. And if you had turned it into a nonprofit, now a good chunk of your time, at least until you get others helping you is in fundraising. Right. versus doing and the important work. And having worked in nonprofits, work. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's yeah. exactly right. It's like, you know, which cross do you want to bear? Right. And, you know, but it is a part of the reason why I have, you know, free program. I do have free programs. I have a monthly, you know, support group that's donation-based, the um, Adult Survivors of Child Abuse um, monthly meeting. Uh, I have a, you know, my Facebook group is 5,000 strong and growing. And oh my gosh, that space is just so amazing. Seeing the conversations there, beautiful team of volunteers who help moderate that group. So once I really got my footing, I mean, that was one of the best pieces of advice that I got from my mentor coach along the way, because I was so adamant about like, I need to have free programs. I need to have low cost programs. I need to have sliding scale programs. right? (laughs) And my my mentor coach is that, you know, you must make sure there's food on your table yeah. before you can feed others. That's right. And I got my footing, I got established, and that has given me the capacity to now be able to give out, you know, more resources and make sure that people who um, are on limited budget still get access um, to healing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. Yeah, but you can't give everything away for free. You just can't. No. So, because, yeah, no. No, we need you doing this work. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just wanting to be like, uh, drop that guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be yeah, gone. Bye. No thoughts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I get those notes these days, I'm just I just laugh at I'm like, really? Yeah. Particularly the ones that are about like degree and experience. I'm like, how many PhDs did I sit with who just totally messed me up? Uh Like they actually did more harm. When did we get the idea, you know, that a degree is all of a sudden a pathway to knowing and um, being skilled and expert? Well, Um, and I mean, we're not going to turn this into a whole like, I don't know negative situation or anything but it's like also it's funny because like someone who has a job and is getting paid for their work sometimes they're they're the ones that are a little more apt to you know have opinions about you charging you're like oh I'm sorry oh I I thought you were getting paid for the work you're doing (laughs) like oh you do that job for free I didn't know you were a volunteer right exactly no it's all good and I mean this is when we're thinking about just being out in the world on all kinds of levels, we get feedback, right? We get, people have opinions, people have thoughts and ideas about what we're doing, about who we are. And when you've experienced trauma, I mean, had that stuff, had I come at that stuff like years and years ago, I would have been a mess, Mm -hmm. right? So a huge part of my healing journey and then what I try to pass on to my clients is that capacity to hear and receive but then filter mm-hmm. and to decide, have a proportional response to the things that might be negative or hard or painful in yeah. your life. Um, so as not to get totally derailed. Yes. 
have those particular trusted advisors and then the other people, you know, because that's a privilege to get to speak into your life and they have mm-hmm. to meet the criteria to give their two mm-hmm. cents. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, well, so tell me, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? What would you share with others? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when I'm starting to feel a little, maybe overwhelmed or uh, first of all, I just also understand, like, I really work in energy cycles. So like, I have times being intuitive, I have high times where I'm really productive. Mm-hmm. And I'm really on it. And I'm working. And then I have times where I'm not and used to before I really understood that energy cycle when I was in that kind of downswing, whoa, I would really beat myself up. Mm-hmm. And I'd also feel a lot of fear, like what's going to happen? It's all going to fall apart. See, I'm never going to succeed. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. <laughs> Ugh. And um, and of course that makes it worse. Right. Yeah. All now <laughs> the little bit of energy you had left is going all towards it's beating gone. yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I do is I really relish the moments of when I lack motivation. I relish it. I'm like, okay, I'm replenishing. Yes. Um, maybe I just need some space or some distance from what I'm working on or what I'm thinking about. Um, oftentimes in the quiet is when the answer comes rather than when I'm sitting there trying to make it happen. Um, so giving myself lots of permission to slow down, to take that time, to feel unmotivated. Like, I'm just going to sit in that for a little bit. It's okay. There's nothing bad or wrong. Eventually, I, I trust it now that my instinct, my ultimately, when it's a calling, you can't get away from it. So it will come back. The mm-hmm. energy will come back, the motivation, the intention, the spark. Um, and as, you know, as my business has evolved, I've been able to find more space for myself, uh, you know, back in the day, I was like seven sessions a day, back to back, like, you know, <laughs> trying to do it all. Yeah. But, you know, I think ultimately we have to be careful about burnout and secondary trauma and these sorts of things. And so just giving myself space and time and dancing, quite honestly, like when I <laughs> get a little moment, like I just need an energy shift and I need to like, yep, I need to get it done. I can't wait. I got to do it. Like I'll throw some music on. I'll dance around. And that usually gets me back into my body and into my motivation and into my energy and I can go for it. Yeah. Those are good tips. I tell you, I can't tell you how many clients I've had. Like we just live in this like go, go, go. And I fall prey. Absolutely. You know, I'm always like, I got to fill all the minutes. I'm an efficiency junkie. You know, I just want to, Ooh, I've got three minutes. What can I get done in this little like window of time? And, and so one thing I've, I've um, encouraged clients to do is think about that downtime. I just call it a cocoon phase. Like you're going through a metamorphosis. Yes. So like something is happening, something important. You know, it's like we have to mm-hmm. assign some kind mm-hmm. of positive outcome out of the downtime yeah. Uh, yeah. in this crazy world that we're in. But yeah, and you're right. Like that in those quiet moments, like that's when the, the creativity can start and all of that. Mm-hmm. I literally just a couple of weeks ago had a client. I was in a leadership team meeting with, with she and her team and, um, and she was clearly not feeling well. I even, we were on a zoom and I was like, and I could still see her like in the corner. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I am really not feeling well today. And then she ultimately like turned her video off so we couldn't see her. And Mm -hmm. so then I had an individual session with her a few days later and she still wasn't feeling well. And I'm like, you have to take a break. And she was doing all this pushback. So I literally picked up a notebook. I'm like, I'm writing a prescription. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, you're not allowed to do anything this weekend. Like, no, like stay in your pajamas. And finally, and she, she booked a massage. Someone liked to come right to her house. And by the next week she was like, oh my gosh, you were right. I needed that. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, listen to your body. Like, don't wait until your body makes you take a break. which I'm sure she was about at that point. Like we just so critical. Yeah, it's so critical. Because as you say, we're in a culture where productivity Mm -hmm. is like, you know, the golden child of everything. What did you produce today? What did you get done today? But what's really so also when you look at it through the lens of trauma is that a lot, a lot of survivors of abuse get conditioned for chaos. Mm. And so there's a lot of like constant everything. Something's going, something's happening. I got to be on watch. I got to be looking out for that. I got to be ready for this. I got to all of that. Mm -hmm. And so when people start to actually slow down, Mm -hmm. not only is it countercultural, but it's also systemically challenging for when we talk about it through the lens of people who've experienced trauma, like Mm -hmm. your system literally is like, this is not familiar. I don't right. understand what you're doing. Get back up, start looking again. Hypervigilance. We need to be in that space. Yeah. All of that. Mm. Yeah. And so for me, like one of the best moments of my life was when I was sitting on the couch, you know, one, one time and I just went, Oh my God, I'm so bored. <laughs> and it's so great. And you're like, like Amy, you, I don't have any problem to solve. I'm not in the midst of some big uproarious thing, situationship, you know, like none of that is happening. I'm just at peace. Uh, And what a huge difference. And, you know, that was compared to certainly how I felt in my teens and in my 20s, even into my early 30s. And yeah, so finding that giving ourselves that permission It's fascinating in the midst of COVID how so much, like we've almost been forced to face it, that this productivity thing and the go, go, go doesn't actually work and that there are other ways that we can live and still thrive. That's certainly not to discount the many, many people who are are having such a hard time right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it has been fascinating to see um, how many people are like, whoa, I don't think I'm ever going back to an office or I'm not doing that five hour commute anymore. Like what? What was I was that my normal and that was okay. And I thought I had to do that. These sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yes. How, um, how society kind of transforms coming back out of this. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, Hopefully a slower pace and, and more of an appreciation for family and loved ones and those kinds of things, but it'll be, it's yet to be seen. Right. Totally. Um, So I just want to, quickly say thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. So important. Um, and I love, um, it just sounds like it is so powerful for people and that you're really helping them move through and out of all those, um, tough places. And, um, so for others who are working to make their impact, like maybe they're just getting started or maybe they're in those beginning trip up phases, um, where they're fighting their own fears, what words of wisdom would you give for others? Mm. I think today what is most top of mind is that imperfection equals profit. Profit of spirit, profit of heart, creativity, bottom line dollars. 
we often have this idea that I can't put it out there. I can't get started until I have it perfect. Mm -hmm. And I see so many business owners just waiting and waiting. And let me, let me just tweak the website one more time. And let me just this. And gosh, you know, one of the best things I was taught and that I've embodied and integrated is imperfect counts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just get your first version out there and it can evolve. It can change. It can grow. But if you keep waiting, I just keep imagining, like for me, because I was definitely a lover of the perfectionism, uh, but for me, I just kept imagining every woman waiting and every Mm -hmm. man just sitting there waiting, like almost like tapping their toes, like, could you get over it already? Because like, we need this. (laughs) Yes. I want everyone to visualize that for the impact they're working to make. That is so good. Yes. People just twiddling their thumbs. (laughs) Like, come on. really do you care do you really care about that semicolon right now I need this help <laughs> right? like seriously so, yeah, the logo's that's, good enough yeah that's <laughs> don't <great>. even care <laughs> they don't even look at the logo right? <laughs> oh, I please. love that well and I always say too when you're working towards perfection or not leaping until you think you've met perfection um you have a million unanswered questions and you're trying to what if a whole bunch of scenarios because you don't even know what the definition of perfection is. I mean, it's not even until you launch that you can figure a bunch of things out. So you might as well just launch one because like stop the people from twiddling their thumbs waiting on you. But two, like then you can already be in the process of making it better. You know, the thing that you put out isn't the end all be all. That's just the start. So go. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. The Beyond Surviving program of today is so much better and so much more evolved because of the people who've gone through it and said, that didn't work. That worked work better. Hey, how about this? Why don't you add that? And But I would never have any of that information if I weren't putting yes. it out there and giving it a go. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So funny. That is what I'm always saying. I'm like, let's go. Even like my uh, <laughs> my start to the, the podcast, it, that's the end of it. Like, let's go. Like, let's just go. Like, come on. Go, go already. So I love that. And I really love, I want everyone to like stop and take note of that. That is powerful. Picture the people that you're going to serve with your impact, that the change that you're about to make, they're waiting. The world is waiting. So just do it. Yeah, cheers to that. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you've given so many nuggets and powerful work that you're doing. I so appreciate it. Uh, guys, reach out to Rachel. You can find her at rachelgrantcoaching.com, which is R-A-C-H-E-L grant, G-R-A-N-T, coaching.com. And that link along with her social media will be on the show notes. You can find the show notes by going to defeatthedrama.com and then click on the podcast tab and look for episode 197. And if you're struggling with a family business challenge or something standing in the way of you making your impact and you want to just have a quick breakthrough, grab a spot on my calendar. I mean it. Go to defeatthedrama.com forward slash call, grab 30 minutes. You're going to have a breakthrough within 15 and then maybe we can talk some next steps for the rest. So get out there, make your bold impact. Think about it. There are people waiting, twiddling their thumbs, tapping their toes, waiting on you. So get ready and go and make it a great day. Thanks for listening. 